going to be with us forever. We're going to get boosters forever. We're going to have to do this the rest of our lives. That's one possibility. Um, and to me, I'll take that over not having a vaccine at all. Can you imagine the world if we didn't have the vaccine right now? That's that's keeping people alive. We, imagine what our hospitals would have looked like in August and September if we didn't have the vaccine in at least 35, 40 percent of Alabamians. That that saved us. All righty. Welcome in, boys and girls. It is your favorite, absolutely your favorite, according to the uh, to the reviews and rankings. Uh, your favorite political podcast from the state of Alabama. It's Alabama Politics This Week with Josh hey. Moon and... David Person, man. Good to be on a winning team. I like right. that. Hey. Favorite. I hey. like that. As, as Donald Trump said, we were going to get so tired of the winning. You know, we're, yeah. we are. We're getting so tired of the winning because we win every week and you win every week because we give you shows. <laughs> this one, <laughs> this one could literally save your life. Okay. That's how yeah, good that's, we are. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Dr. Michael Sag uh, from UAB is, is going to be on uh, and uh, and give you some vital information about uh, the virus. Uh, you know, and uh, I think that's all we all we need to use to identify it is the virus mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and the new strains and, and what's happening and the outlook for the future and whether or not this is going to last forever. and We're all going to die uh, or not. And um, so uh, that, that'll be uh, information for life, as they say. And uh, but otherwise, we're going to run through your uh, through your Alabama political news and there. For a, Dece- a mid-December show, there is a lot of Alabama political news. Uh, Man, you're not uh, kidding. Uh, I mean, it uh, every kidding. damn day there's something else. And so uh, I guess we'll, we can start with we have new entrants in the Republican race for the governor's office. Um, Linda Blanchard and Tim James, uh, both occupying the crazy lane. Um, of or the crazier lane, uh, since apparently Kay Ivey is trying to go crazy, um, and and take up part uh, portion of that lane, and so they've moved now to the shoulder of the crazy lane, I guess. And um, uh, I, you know, Linda Blanchard uh, held an event where she announced out in the cold with what looked to be children of the corn uh, there with holding oh, signs. Oh wow, that's and, funny, children of the corn. That's and, funny. Uh, uh, and then Tim James has basically uh, stopped just short of handling snakes. Uh, and his, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's uh, he's a man's against yoga because of all the uh, the evils that it teaches against Christianity. And I, yeah. I just, you know, um, so which I, means I, he knows nothing about yoga, basically. Right. Uh, certainly, he said no idea. Uh, but this yeah. is listen. I would encourage people. If you think this is out of the norm for the James family, go back and research Bob James and his wife. Uh, that those are those are Tim's uh, parents, uh, former mm-hmm. governor, and um, and just read about them. Okay, I'm not going to poison your mind at all. Just just go back and read about it. Just go back and read about some of the things that happened, religiously speaking. Uh, during the the James administration back in the day, uh, I think you will find that the apple has not fallen far from the tree. Um, mm. And um, but 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 wasn't his father more? Um, I, you know what I remember about his dad was that he he was much more of a lighthearted conservative right winger. He was sort of um, 
he was he was a comical character even with his you know extremism i'll say this is a man i'll say this uh about that and, and, and maybe in some some aspects you you may be right uh I will say, though, this is a man who stood in front of the press corps. At the time, there was a press corps that followed the Alabama governor around mm-hmm. um, and um, and did a demonstration of why evolution was wrong. OK, mm. uh, attempted to I, I, there, there are pictures of this out there right. uh, of him uh, doing some sort of uh, faux evolution transformation uh yeah. in front of the media yeah, yeah. uh uh-huh. uh yeah so i think that's what i'm thinking about like he, uh, he sort of didn't he did he imitated I, a, a neanderthal yeah, or something yes or? yeah he was yeah trying it was all yeah. but it was to prove that we should not be teaching evolution in our schools that's oh, what he was trying to get across um and and there were other things that were alleged during that time such as certain portraits <laughs> In the governor's mansion were possessed um, and had to be removed. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there, but that wasn't from him, though, right? That was from his wife, right? That was from his wife. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, but I'm, I'm saying that you know that, that Tim is that this was the the life that he grew up in. So you know, you know. Now, can I just say, as a as a church going uh, Christian person, I mm-hmm. just you know there there. I think anybody who, well, you know, there are going to be people who disagree with me, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. Um, There's no question in my mind that faith and religion attract strange people and that faith and religion sometimes cultivate extreme and just bizarre kinds of thought processes and concepts, mm-hmm. right? And and I think people in there, and, 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 you know, I'm not saying that these people are evil, but I'm just saying I think that, that there are people who are easily... Um, misled. Misled. And, and they, and, and in their attempt to be faithful people, they don't think critically about some things. Yeah, you know, you know let me it, let me ask you this. I, I, I've thought about yeah. this a lot, and this is going to take this probably in a whole different track than what we had actually talked about doing for the show. But <laughs> it's fine, you know, it's whatever. Uh, um, I, you know, I, 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 because I see this a lot, and I think this is, I think it plays off in in our political world a little bit too, especially with the Trumpism and the kind mm-hmm. of cult like following that has has taken place a lot. Um, because I think that you see that the the majority of those people are also your church going uh, devout Christian people, um, and um, and and I what I my I don't know if it's necessarily a theory or I, I guess maybe just my thought, just random thought is I it seems to me that a large percentage of the more devout Christians, not all, certainly not all, and maybe not even a majority, uh, but a but a percentage of of folks that that are in church and your most devout people um, are people who are struggling in life in some way and are looking for something to tether them to 
uh, you know, to, to tether themselves to, uh, you know, to, to, to get themselves back in line, uh, to have a focus, to have, to have something that they can lean on. Uh, because they've had some troubles, uh, addiction or, or, or what, what have you, you know, whatever. Um, and because in a lot of cases, those people are very desperate, uh, for that, they become easy prey for people who, who want to take advantage of them. And in some cases, those people, I don't know if they even realize that they're taking advantage of. Them. Uh, you know, they, I, in, in a lot of cases, I think they do, but, uh, you know, I, I that to me, seems to be what drives a lot of this, what drives a lot of uh, of people not thinking from themselves, getting duped into really ridiculous Ponzi schemes and, and things like that, uh, voting for a New York billionaire that's going to save the world because of, you know, he's, he relates to a farmer in Alabama. Uh, those sorts of things to me are are what has driven this. You know, and I wonder, you know, you're in, you're in church a lot more, uh, obviously, than I am. And I wonder if you think that I'm just an idiot who has a totally ignorant view of the people that, that you see every week or if there you think there might be some truth to that. I think there is truth to what you're saying. Right. But I don't think that it that it is uh, an accurate description of the vast majority of people that I have interacted with over the course of my church going life. I think for a lot of people, it really starts with a fundamental belief in their families of origin that there is a there is a there is a reason there's a reason and a design to the world that we live in and the life that we experience mm-hmm. and that reason and the design comes from an intelligent being, and the reason uh, is best explained, and including the identity of that intelligent designer, is best explained by, at the very least, the the Christian faith, you know, the Christian Bible and the Christian faith, if not the Abrahamic belief systems, which also include, of course, Judaism and Islam. Right. So I think for most people, that's what it is. It's first of all, just sort of a grappling with, well, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And, and, mm-hmm. and how did this world came, come to be? And, you know, how do we explain what we're seeing and what we're feeling? And, and how do we, and, you know, how do we wrestle with, you know, uh, feelings of love or feelings of guilt or shame or, you know, fear, uh, you know, just all of it. Right. The human, just the, 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 the gamut of the human experience. I think that's really what it is for most people. But having said that, I think you're right. Again, I'm going to say, I think you're right that, that, that in this quest for meaning and understanding, some people, because perhaps of the, the sort of the, the dysfunctions in their lives or their families' lives or in their church community. Mm-hmm. They are more driven by fear and by um, sort of what I'm going to call a a blind faith, an uninformed faith, Mm -hmm. you know, so that you start thinking that, you know, to go back to our our previous example with uh, the former governor's wife, that, uh, that that a picture is animated with some dem- demonic spirit. Right. I mean, that's just, I mean, yeah. 
I don't, uh, you know, honestly, I mean, I, I mean, there may be some people that I go to church with who would think that, but I don't, I think the vast majority of people that I go to church with, mm-hmm. and I'm not just talking about the church that I'm a member of, but I mean, even when I visit right. about, you know, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, but even mm-hmm. when I visit my Baptist brothers and sisters or my Presbyterian brothers and sisters or Methodist brothers and sisters, I don't, or Catholics, I don't think any, I don't think the vast majority of them would embrace that idea. Okay. I just don't. I, I I was and 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 that may be true too. But I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't necessarily talking about the extremes of it. Okay. I was, uh, you know, I was I was just saying that I think it makes a lot of people more susceptible to to fraud, uh, to 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 fraud of, of both the the monetary kind and of uh, you know, the physical kind where you know you 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 basically believe in frauds, uh, that the people that are that are just really trying to dupe you into doing things that that ultimately benefit them or their causes, um, and and I and it, it because there seems to be such an overlay of of those people from from the that church life to think to people that get duped into really to believe in really ridiculous things in the political world, uh, you know about economics, about jobs, about uh, unions about different things like that 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 to me is i, I mean I, and really maybe it, it comes from from me trying to search for an explanation that makes rational sense when maybe there is no rational sense i i don't you know well based on what we're seeing now for example with QAnon, mm-hmm. i would say that it's not some you know the the ability to be conned or defrauded uh, you know that's not just something that religious people are susceptible right. to. Oh, certainly, certainly, you know, certainly you look not. look at the QAnon yeah. people, you look at, um, uh, I'm sure there are other examples, secular, non-religious examples we could find of people. Yeah. Non, non-rich Trump supporters, yes. Yeah, I mean, I just think, yeah, I think, um, I think in, in human beings, mm-hmm. all human beings, I think, are looking to put faith in something mm-hmm. or someone, whether that's divine or human. Or or inanimate. Yeah. I think we all are just kind of wired that way is what I think. And I think you I don't think you have to be even a religious person to think, you know, just based on what we see, because people are always looking for somebody to follow. I mean, that's yeah. what, you know, the whole celebrity culture is based on that idea that people want somebody to look up to. And yeah. that doesn't have anything to do with Christianity or any other religion. You know, I, I'm a very. um you know, rational person, you know, I, I, and I don't mean that as like a compliment to myself. I, I mean that like in, in, you know, in, in basic life, I, 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 I rationalize everything, you know, right. I, it's a, and it's the reason why I, I kind of struggle with, with religion and, and the teachings of things because it just doesn't make rational sense to me. You know what I mean? And, and, um, and so, and that's why it drives me nuts. Some of these things that, you know, like in, in the political world, it just some of these things just drive me insane because I'm trying desperately to come up with a rational explanation for why people would ever believe this. And, it, you know, and, and I, I, man, it, it, I'm telling you, it, it drives me nuts. And, uh, but yeah. you know, that's life, well, life that. in my head, I mean, you know, I get yeah. that. I mean, I, I, I believe, I personally believe that logic and faith are not mutually exclusive. no, and I think there are many examples that 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 uh, substantiate that. In fact, one of the, I think one of the best uh, articulators of that way of thinking or concept is C.S. Lewis. You know, mm-hmm. the man who wrote, uh, who used to be an atheist, became a Christian, wrote *Mere Christianity*. I think another example 
if you're looking, you know, to examine it, uh, you know, from a literary standpoint, another example would be M. Scott Peck, mm-hmm. who wrote the famous book, The Road Less Traveled, and then followed that up with The People of the Lie. I think that these are two examples of people who have really grappled with faith and logic and mm-hmm. found that there is a sweet spot where they meet. Yeah. And I think for many of us, that's the case. But, you know, for some, yeah. it, it may be out of balance one way or the other. Yeah, well, and, and I want to say, too, it, it's for me, all of that is is a purely personal thing for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't try to influence anybody on anything uh, about re- when it comes to religion. Uh, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try my best to just, you know, this, you know, my wife is a is a very religious uh, Christian. And uh, and so and, and we don't you know, it, it's not a problem here because yeah. I understand, you know, I, and I, I understand people's belief systems and what they believe. Uh, and I understand that I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo. Uh, so it's, you know, I uh, think you are, though. I think yeah. there are a lot of people, Josh, uh, who and you know what? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to share a secret. I'm going to okay. share a secret. And some of my Christian friends may be angry with me about this, but I'm going to share a secret. There are a lot of Christians. Who struggle with doubt. And there are a lot of Christians who um, who get to a point in their faith journey where they don't really believe anymore or mm. believe to the or believe, especially relative to the rest of their church going, uh, you know, friends and family. Uh, and so they continue to go not so much because of uh, belief, but it's just more of a cultural practice. It's just right. kind of what they do. You know, and and so I think, again, you know, it's not, you know, like a lot of life, it's not really black and white or simple. It's yeah. complicated and there's a continuum and you find people are kind of scattered around along the way. So I don't think you're weird at all. I think there are probably a lot more people in the church and outside of the church who think like you than you than you realize. Well, I'm going to write this down and tell my wife that you told that you said I'm not weird. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, uh, but no, this I. But my fear is obviously I, I don't want to influence anybody to to my way of of thinking on anything. I don't, you know, and I want because I want people to be ultimately to just to be happy. You know what I mean? And if if that's right. if that is what makes you happy, and and you feel like that adds to your life, who am I? to come in and try to say, well, actually, uh, you know, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? And, and so yeah. and nobody likes that guy. And I, and I don't want to, I don't want to be that, that dude. It just, uh, you know, it, but it does drive me crazy when, when the two, when two religions fight each other, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and it just was like, come on, stop it. You know, I mean, it's like, it, it, it cracks me up. A lot of times, like there, there was rumors that a, a certain coach, and I won't even call his name because I don't want to tie anything to this, was a Scientologist. Mm. Um, and and the you know the, my Christian friends were like, oh Scientology, can you believe that crazy stuff? And I was like, oh what really? Do they have a talking snake? You know, I mean it's like you know what I'm saying. It's like come on man, you know listen, everybody's just trying to get by. You know, uh, don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Let the man if that's what makes him happy, that's what works for him. Let the man live his life, and it's just uh, that way. But is this a current coach? 
Uh, yeah. You don't want to say, okay, I, yeah. I, I, I could pretty much piece together. Yeah. I can yeah. almost imagine that whole, who that is and what that scenario and, is. And that's yeah. just an absolute rumor about things, yeah. you know, and it's, a, and, and I know that it's a, a, in a lot of ways, a rumor that's meant to, to hurt him, whether it's true or not, uh, you know, to hurt him by people that don't want him to be successful. Um, and I'm not necessarily a big fan of his, but I don't, I don't, I think it's bullshit that somebody would use religion in that way to try to hurt somebody somebody in their profession, uh, you know, and when I think we all have some things that we would need to answer to if you're a yeah. religious person, you know, to, to, to yeah. try to explain away. But, uh, you know, that's, um, you know, that's just me. And, um, you know, uh, and, so, and watch. So you're saying that there are people actually going around saying role Scientology? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I am saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There are some other pretty funny names out there. That's uh, cool. But. I mean, you know, they're comical, but they're, they're they could be hurtful. So, um, but speaking of religious, you know, whatever, uh, Mo Brooks, <laughs> uh, how you like that transition? Uh, yeah, Mo really. Brooks uh, is uh, is running not from religion, but from uh, apparently Trumpism. Uh, he is uh, he's he's told people uh, that they needed to move on from the twenty twenty elections uh, and and stop this bickering about what took place in the 2020 election. Uh, and he's hired himself a new campaign team there that is apparently uh, the guy was a never Trumper from what I understand, doesn't like Trump. Um, and so uh, it seems as though Mo has seen the writing on the wall uh, that was uh, in front of the path he was heading down. So I, I don't know, man, it doesn't seem like it's good times at the Brooks house. Well, it reminds me of the of the big pop hit from the nineteen seventies with Johnny Mathis and Denise Williams. Too much, too little, too late, baby. <laughs> it's too late, Mo. Too much, too much of that craziness. Uh-huh. Too little sense, and that means now it's too late. It's yeah. just, I think, I think, I, I mean, I, I'm in the camp that says he does not have a shot. For a lot of reasons, um, one reason, I think one fundamental reason is that, quite honestly, North Alabama Republicans, no matter how conservative they may portray themselves to be, have not yet figured out how to uh, convert the rest of the state to their position. You know, we've seen it with Mo, we've seen it with Tommy Battle. Um, I think the uh, the only one, the only one that I can think of, and this is sort of not really North Alabama, truly, but Guy Hunt went over the state, but Holly Pond is not really North Alabama. Yeah. Um, well. Know? So, I mean, it may be geographically, technically, but it's not culturally, it's not. Well, um, then Guy so, Hunt had to go to, had to go to jail because he didn't like gambling. So, exactly. You know. Exactly. But I'm saying he wanted. But he was able to get elected. Yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah. No, yeah. it's a, and, you know, and, I, and that's just rare, you know. So to me, it starts there. Yeah. I, and then when you start factoring in everything else, I mean, Mo is not, you know, Mo, Mo, Mo's brand of politics works for a, I think, a very restricted percentage of people that are mm-hmm. fervently in his corner, mm-hmm. then I think there are people, there are a lot of Republicans, and I've heard this for years, and I'm sure you've heard it even more, Josh, being out there in the field covering the Alabama politics much more than I, there are a lot of Republicans that basically take a hold their nose and vote 
approach to Mo Brooks. A lot of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, there are. Yeah. You know, his. You're right. His brand plays well with uh, rural limestone, rural Lauderdale County. Uh, uh-huh. You know, uh, folks, uh, where you know you can, uh, you know, those those are some hard line. Those are hard red folks. Um, and um, you know, I, I just uh, I don't. I think that he. I'll tell you this. I don't. I don't know how much longer he was going to be able to hold on in into that uh, congressional seat, uh, just because I think this area is changing so much uh, with the the influx of new people, and and they're not all necessarily Democrats, although there are a lot of right. them. And you saw that by by how well Doug Jones did uh, up in this area uh, versus Tommy Tuberville uh, versus in other areas, mm-hmm. and you know I. I just think that uh, that Mosin was in trouble all, all the way around, and and this doesn't help. And you know, I I, I don't know that he would make a runoff. Um, ultimately, I don't know that he'll he'll ultimately make the runoff if if they oh, have one. Senate? No, no. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that he uh, uh, he might get squeezed out by Durant uh, on well, that. And see, that's another thing. I think I think he's his when Durant decided to enter the race. I think that that automatically. Meant that I think that's what sealed Mo's fate because Durant and Mo are going after the same, the same basic demographic of people, and when you and I think have the same basic appeal. And when you compare the two, mm-hmm. you know, Black Hawk down, career politician. You know, and Mo tries to say, well, most of my money was made in the private sector; those were part-time jobs. Not really, Mo. No. That's really not true. Yeah. When you put in 175 grand a year, yeah, that's a full-time gig, my man. I don't care whether you're doing other stuff on the side <laughs> or not. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that argument doesn't hold up. So uh, I, I think his goose is cooked, as we used to say. Uh, I hope so, uh, you know, because he has been a blight on, on Alabama for so long. He really has. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I don't just say that lightly now because I dislike yeah. him. I, I think he has been. I, he's been worthless in, in Congress. He's, he's passed one thing, and most of his time has been grandstanding over nonsense that was never going to pass. Um, you know, and I just think that it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, that he's going to, you know, move, be moved out of both places, um, you know, and and I hope that the person, and I assume it's going to be Dale Strong, um, I hope that that person takes the job a little more seriously mm. um, and is not just a, uh, you know, a, a self-involved do nothing there. Right. Um, that you, you know, it's, it's like I. I Doug Jones would be a great example of somebody. You don't have to. I'm not saying be a Democrat. I'm saying work like Doug Jones worked with people on both sides of the aisle to get meaningful legislation passed. John Ossoff is doing that right now over in Georgia. Uh, I mean, look, look at what he's done, how he's worked with people to pass some things that, that both sides have agreed are really meaningful pieces of legislation. I want to say Ossoff has now passed three in the last couple of months, despite the fact that, I mean, there's standalone bills that got bipartisan support. And, mm. and so that's what you're looking for. And, you know, and, because this is not helping anybody. Uh, you know, I did. Yes, I dislike Mo because Mo has has purposefully made himself a very dislikable figure for somebody like yeah. me. He's he's yeah. worked for that. He's worked to make me dislike him. And yeah. so, I mean, and he takes pride in the fact that I dislike him. So, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. And I and I would even say I would hold up as another example uh, of what Alabama needs, whether it's in the House or the Senate uh, at the federal level, is somebody like a Richard Shelby. Yeah, I don't agree with Shelby's politics, but you know what? Shelby gets stuff done for the state. 
Yep. And and he does it, I think, without drawing a lot of attention to himself and to his political beliefs. He doesn't hide his political beliefs, but he doesn't make a career out of, you know, hey, this is who I am. And and what I really like is that he pays attention to governance. Mm-hmm. And that and that's what Jones did. He paid yes. attention to governance. You know, Mo seems to be uh sort of the the elder statesman of this new kind of frankly, I'm just gonna say it, this new kind of Republican mm-hmm. that they don't give a flip about governance. All they want to do is grandstand uh about ideology mm-hmm. and pass bills that really have no effect on most of the day-to-day lives of their constituents. You know? Yeah, the man's got an economics degree from Duke, and he ain't pissed a drop on the the economy up there, man. Not Mm -hmm. a drop. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you would think that somebody with that kind of background and knowledge could make himself an asset, you know, in some way, but he has done nothing. And that, to me, man, you know, that's a crime. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a crime to to be that way and to and to have an opportunity to do good for people and and especially in this district where you know they need some help uh, to go up and do what he's done. It, it ought to be criminal. It really should. It really should be criminal. But hey, you know, and that's ultimately why. And what you said is why Katie Britt's going going to probably win and be there for the next forty years. Uh, you know, in, in the Senate. So. It's- well, I hope she doesn't win, and I hope she won't be there for the next 40 years. But I'll say this. If that's what we end up with, mm-hmm. we'll sure be a whole lot better off than if Mo would win. Yeah. yeah, I, And that's yeah. really, that's my position. I still want to see a Democrat in that office. I still think it's possible if we do what we need to do. Uh, it may not be this election, though I'm hoping it will be. But I think, I think a Democrat can retake that office. But but regardless of whether a Democrat does or doesn't, we don't need Mo Brooks in there no. doing what he's been doing for the past 30 or 40 years. I think we can all we can all pretty much agree on that. And but I'll say this, too. I think if if a Democrat doesn't win this uh, this time, uh, it, it becomes infinitely harder um, in the future with with an incumbent. Uh, yeah, in that office, uh, so I just and that's why I say you know once once she gets in, it's the same reason why I think Tuberville will be safe as a baby for a while too, unless he gets primaried from the right, which I don't see happening. So yeah, probably well, not. Yeah, probably All not. Right. All right, let's uh, let's slide out of here. We'll come back, uh, get Dr. Michael Sag in, uh, talk to him about uh, yeah. about life and uh, what what's happening with uh, COVID nineteen and uh, and how Christmas looks for the family. Uh, back in a minute, Alabama Politics This Week. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person, and uh, we are happy now to have with us again uh, UAB's I, you know, I, I don't. I'm not going to go through the whole list of things that it, that it, Dr. Sag, Michael Sag, is with us, and and the the list of things that he is and that he has accomplished is is too lengthy, I think, and so we'll just call him our all world Hall of Famer, Doctor uh, Doctor Michael Sag. I think uh, will work just fine, and people would agree. People would agree with that. They know. Uh, they know you. Thanks. Thanks for coming back with us, Doctor Sag. It's great to be back with you. 
right. I, I mentioned uh, right before we started recording that we are basically the everyman podcast here when it comes to medical issues. And so uh, but I think we answer a lot of the, the basic questions that people have uh, about this because they're questions that we have. Um, uh, and I, I think the first thing out of the gate here is uh, Omicron. Uh, the Omicron variant of uh, of COVID. Now, I think you know. Obviously, people are are very kind of fatigued of of everything, which is not an excuse for anything at all. It's you know, I mean, I'm I'm fatigued of the flu and common colds as well, but you still treat those things. Um, but I, I guess what should we know about Omicron, and what do y'all know about Omicron? Well, Josh, thanks, and I, I'll say this: that the practice of medicine isn't all that complicated. It's really common sense layered on a foundation of science. That's it. You need both. You need the science. You also need the common sense. So let me try to put it out there in a common sense kind of way. Viruses are simple to understand. All they want to do is survive and replicate. That's it. And along the way, if they happen to infect someone, it's really our immune system's response to the virus that causes the symptoms. That's the amazing part. Virus, it's just trying to get rid of that sucker. And so when we get infected with a virus, the virus is trying to replicate. And in the process of replication, a billion copies of virus a day produced in someone from a lot of these viral infections, it makes mistakes. So if you can imagine going to the chalkboard and writing this long code, one billion times a day, you're going to make a mistake now and then. And that's what the virus does. Most of those mistakes that it makes are killer. The, the, the virus becomes uh, not viable. But every now and then, just by chance, a mistake happens that gives that virus a growth advantage. And that's how a variant emerges. It's, it's an accidental thing. It's just what vi- It's just what happens. So in the context of Omicron or Delta or Alpha, any of these Greek letter variants, they're just natural phenomena that happen. And we should expect them to happen because that's what goes on when a virus replicates. So what do we know about Omicron right now? We know that it emerged about a month ago in South Africa or a couple other countries in uh, Southern Africa. And it has a lot of variation. It's got some deletions, which means that if the normal original virus had a string of spaghetti of, of code, it, it's missing a section. So that's one thing we know about it in that outer part called the spike protein. And so the reason that's important is that spike protein is the key part of the virus that binds to the receptor in our respiratory tract that allows it to enter and infect us. And that change in the spike protein that happened by chance um, gives it an ability to stick with a little bit more um, uh, stickiness. It's like it's got stickum or more Velcro or whatever you want to say. So when you breathe it in, it's more likely to stick than it would might just come in and go out and never really infect you. That's why it's more transmissible. What we learned in the last week or so is that the good news is the immunity that's induced by our our regular vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer in particular, that immunity will protect us against serious infection and death. And we learned yesterday that if you have three doses of Pfizer and Moderna, you have your booster shot, then it's gonna protect you against getting infected in the first place. 
So that's where we are right now. Um, but I think the final comment I'll make before uh, in this diatribe here um, is to say that 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 um, we're still dealing with Delta. You know, we can talk about Omicron all we want to, but the increase in cases throughout the United States right now in the northern states, because people move back indoors and are hanging around together, that's Delta, that surge that we're seeing. And we're going to see it here in Alabama again, I'm afraid, because people went out over Thanksgiving as if the epidemic was over and it ain't. So we're going to see cases and we'll see it after Christmas and New Year's, too, I'm afraid. Yeah, it, it seemed as though I was going to bring that up because it seems as though life has moved on uh, in, in a good section of Alabama. Um, it, it seems like people have decided that they're tired of of whatever they were doing, if anything, before. Um, and, and so we, we've moved on to uh, even the unvaccinated folks have moved on to to just back to normalcy, I guess. And um, where. Do you see another surge coming? Because you've been pretty good at predicting these things. I, and I, I think that you, you see the, the cases. And so I think you have a, a little bit of an advantage there. But do you see another surge coming? I, I do. It's a little bit like predicting sports games, right? If you, you know, football game and there's a spread and you say, I think they're going to cover or not. But I, I think it's we're likely to see it. And I'll say it for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that our immunity does wane, even if somebody hasn't been vaccinated, but they were infected let's say back in January of last year, I hear a lot of folks say, well, I don't need to be vaccinated because I already had the infection. Sorry, that immunity only lasts about three or four months and then you can get reinfected. Um, There was a study out from CDC about a month and a half ago that compared people who had been vaccinated but never infected with COVID versus people who had had COVID but never vaccinated. And what they found that over a course of nine months, after whatever, the vaccine or the infection, um, that the people who had not been vaccinated but had the infection were fivefold more likely to have a second infection than somebody who was vaccinated. To me, the ideal would be not that anybody wants to have COVID, but somebody who had had COVID, then they get vaccinated and they've got close to super immunity. That's what you want, but we don't want people to become infected. So yeah, to get to your question, we will see more cases, I think, coming in January, right after the Christmas, New Year's, as kids are going back to school. And um, I don't know how bad it'll be, but we're going to see a We're going to see a bump. And I think it's more likely to be Delta than Omicron, but we'll see. You mentioned children, uh, Dr. Sack, and I want to start there. Um, from what we're seeing with Omicron uh, in South Africa, apparently. Uh, the children of unvaccinated people there are getting infected. And so they're saying that there's a spike uh, among those who are 5 to 11. And if I'm not mistaken, we're anticipating that the same thing could very well be on the verge of happening here, whether it's Omicron or Delta. Is that correct? Yeah, I think I think children are at risk. And um, yes, I think your your data are accurate, David. So if children are at risk and we know that children are going to be going back to school after a time where families are going to be convening, you know, doubly, you know, they've already convened once for Thanksgiving. They're going to be convening again for Christmas. Uh, Is there something different that school systems need to be doing? or at least anticipating? Yeah, I think we can anticipate that 
there will be more spread in January for the reasons you said. What I would do if I were a school administrator is try as best I can to strip the politics away and focus on the science. The science tells me that masks work. No controversy about that in my mind. They work. And I would go back to masking at least through January to avoid an outbreak in my school because the outbreaks, especially the ones we saw in September, they shut the schools down in a lot of cases. We don't want to go through that. We can avoid it with simple, simple rules of masking. But I think for parents, get your kids vaccinated. It's safe. It's effective. It'll protect your kids from infection for sure, but it will also protect them against getting very sick and dying. And yes, it's true. Very few kids die from COVID. That's a fact. But they do die. And there's been, I think, 780 deaths so far of kids. And people shrug that off. Well, yeah, well, that's not nearly as many as 780,000 people who have died. That's 780 kids, for goodness sake. (laughs) Any death, any death of a kid from something that should be, we know now is preventable, we should try to prevent it. So get your kids vaccinated. It's safe. My grandkids got vaccinated just this week um, for five and six years old. That's what we all should do. I want to just... Uh, this is anecdotal, but uh, but I want to get your read on this. So I bumped into an old friend of mine uh, about a week or so ago who is a primary care nurse. And she said that she had been vaccinated, fully vaccinated, but that she contracted COVID. Um, she went to the hospital. She ended up being hospitalized, I think, for a very short period of time. Uh, I believe she was given uh, one of the treatments that are recommended. I can't remember now which one she said, but one of the treatments that are recommended. And then she said she she did not stay in the hospital. She left. She went home. Um, this was back in, I think she said it was back in March or no, 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 no. I think it was maybe August back in August. And she still is feeling some, some effects from the disease. However, a mutual friend of ours who had gotten infected at the same time, um, died and she had also been vaccinated. Uh, she, however, um, the difference between the two of them, at least according to my friend, what she thinks was that the friend who died stayed in the hospital and didn't make it out. You know, she did for whatever reason. And I don't know, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know the circumstances, Josh, you know, but she stayed in the hospital and, and she thinks that that ultimately she, she attributes her, her life to the fact that she was able to get out without being intubated and that the other friend, I guess, stayed too long, ended up being intubated and died. What does that what does that sound like to you just from from start to finish? First of all, with the fact that two vaccinated people get infected and we know that's possible, but nonetheless, it happens. And then this sort of dichotomy in terms of of how the outcomes were. Yeah, well, let's break it down a little bit. Okay. So first okay. off, we know that the vaccines wane in their protection, just like a natural infection immunity wanes. And what we've learned is that six months seems to be the moment where that happened. So let's say both of them got vaccinated because they're healthcare providers in January of 21. That means by June and July, their immunity was waning and we had this big surge in August. So it doesn't surprise me that infection happened. In the first case, it doesn't surprise me that the person got sick 
um, and maybe went into the hospital for a short amount of time, got either monoclonal antibody or might have gotten remdesivir, doesn't matter, but got out pretty quick. And that means that she responded to the treatment and has done okay, sort of. We'll come back to that. The second case is unusual because most of the deaths are happening in unvaccinated people. Obviously, in this case, it was a vaccinated person. Most of the people who are dying who have been vaccinated have an underlying health condition that contributes to that. Most often, it's an immune system problem, like they're on an immunosuppressive agent for arthritis or for bowel disease or or, uh, psoriasis or something. And so that impairs the immunity from really taking care of that person. The point that they're making, and I can understand the emotion with the with the woman who survived, uh, was that the one person who stayed in the hospital, it wasn't that the hospital made them sick and ultimately caused them to die. Rather, they were so sick that they didn't meet criteria for being discharged and they kept getting worse. And so the hospital held on to them appropriately to try to get them through this. And not everybody that goes on a ventilator dies. So the idea of a ventilator is to buy time uh, when their when their lungs have failed, so that you support them, and then they heal up, and then they get better, and hopefully leave the hospital. But a lot of times that doesn't happen, and they end up progressing and dying, and that's what happens. Sadly, what I can tell you this is this: so people listening can understand this. When you hear people like me or other other physicians or public health people tell you that that not getting vaccinated puts you at risk for dying. Here's a number, 12 fold, 12 times more likely to die from COVID if you're unvaccinated. I'll say that again, 12 times. That's not a hundred percent increase. That's 12 times. It's, 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 it's an enormous number. There are very few risks in medicine that are 12 times riskier. And that's what, when you hear energy in my voice, when you hear anger coming from healthcare workers who are taking people care of people in the hospital, who the majority of which, vast majority, are unvaccinated, they're angry because it was preventable in a lot of those cases. We can reduce death rates by 12-fold if people got vaccinated. And sadly, what we're dealing with, as everybody knows, is the politicalization of this. And people, well, I'm not going to get vaccinated because the government's trying to tell me to do that. I, I get that. I don't want the government telling me what to do either. But if we strip that away and just focus on, on me as an individual, I don't want to die. And if I can take this vaccine and not die, I think I'm going to do that because it's remarkably safe. So get, ignore the politics and all the nonsense going on out there. Just focus on that essence. I want to do this for myself and I want to protect my family because if I come home with COVID, my family members are not vaccinated. They get infected. They also have that risk of dying. So that's where I think all the healthcare folks that I'm around are, are kind of screaming from the rooftops about this. It, you mentioned some of the nonsense and I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of that uh, because I, I hear a lot of it, especially from the political side of this. Um, and one of the things I hear a lot is um, this this is going to be with us forever. Uh, you know, we're going to have to keep getting booster shots. We're going to have to we're going to get a booster shot after booster shot forever for the rest of our lives. 
Um, and so I, I just wanted to ask, what is the long term? Just looking, what do you think the long term outlook is for for COVID for for the future? I mean, are we going to have to continue to get booster shots forever, or at some point will this uh, slow down a bit? Yeah, well, as Yogi Berra said, predictions are always difficult, especially <laughs> when they involve the future. Right. So, with that as a caveat and a in a, a bit of a disclaimer, I, I believe from what I know about viruses and this particular virus, uh, it's going to be with us for a while. And that'll be at least a couple more years, maybe another decade, maybe longer, but I don't know. We'll find out. What we're also going to find out is how well the vaccines work. Now we could argue it two ways as, as you kicked off the question, it's going to be with us forever. We're going to get boosters forever. We're going to do this rest of our lives. That's one possibility. Um, And to me, I'll take that over not having a vaccine at all. Can you imagine the world if we didn't have the vaccine right now? That's that's keeping people alive. We, imagine what our hospitals would have looked like in August and September if we didn't have the vaccine in at least 35, 40 percent of Alabamians. That that saved us. But I'll take it. But here's the other side of that point. And Fauci said it yesterday. But what he's trying to say is that. We're learning about this as we go in terms of how often we're going to need vaccines. I've already said on the program right now that that we know that after the first two shots, that immunity wanes at six months. We need a booster. But we might find that the booster lasts longer. Mm-hmm. So you get a it's called prime boost. We use it in vaccines all the time. Prime boost hepatitis virus vaccines prime two shots and then a boost six months later, don't need another shot for the rest of your life for hepatitis B. Could that be happening with COVID in the ideal fanciful imaginary world? Sure. Could happen. I don't think it'll be that good, but it could be. So we're going to learn as we go. And what I ask the public to do is just be patient with it and, and take our time, celebrate the science which is an, an have you met the public, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, but, but celebrate this because, because think about it. One, we have a vaccine in a year that works incredibly well, saves lives. have already been over that, mm-hmm. but just think about Omicron. Omicron was picked up like within a week after it emerged. Holy smokes. A week. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, just, that's amazing that the surveillance is that, Good. And it's going on all over the world all the time. Science. And then we release the information. And for scientists, we're used to that. We're used to changing things and new stuff coming out every day. The public, not so much. And so the public goes, whoa, 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 there's this Omicron. Oh, my God. But we're going to learn as we go. We just have to take a breath and go this a day at a time, celebrate the science, embrace it. And do the smart things that keep ourselves and our families safe. It's just a new world for us. But rather than getting anxious about it or, or um, upset, just do the right things. Get vaccinated. If you're going out in public during a surge, wear a mask. Stay away from large crowds. We know what to do. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was uh, I'll get you out of here uh, you because know, I know you, you're busy. You're a busy person. Uh, but uh, what should we do? 
over Christmas, other than being vaccinated. I mean, is, is vaccinated just enough, at, you know, given what we know with, with, like you said, the Delta still being around, we have a new variant, that, you know, emerging and spreading. Uh, is, is it enough to just be vaccinated or, or should people, you know, cut down on the, on the parties and, and gatherings? I think in general, um, we can get together with some, with some guidelines. Um, I would like to see everybody at the gathering I go to, to have been vaccinated. If people have been vaccinated, including ourselves, let's say, and it's been more than six months, get the booster now so that by the time Christmas comes along, um, we'll be able to know that we're, our immunity has been boosted and we're safe. Um, if everyone at that gathering has been boosted or vaccinated and boosted, you're pretty darn safe. That's pretty good. I don't think you have to go out and get tested unless there's somebody in your family who's got a wickedly bad immune system, right? They're on chemotherapy or something. Then you might want to be careful and wear masks to protect them. But for the most part, but if you have unvaccinated people in the room, I think it, I wouldn't get a lot of people together and minimize that risk to them and to you. Um, and, and if, if, and space out a little bit when you're eating, cause there's no way to wear a mask when you're eating by definition, but I'd, I'd be a little bit careful because we know that we're going to see these um, surges after Christmas and New Year's. And I think it's probably okay to hit them with shovels too, the unvaccinated. Uh, <laughs> hey, Josh, can I just toss out one other question? Sure. Go uh, ahead, man. You have time for yeah. one other question, Dr. Sack? Sure. Okay. So I was reading today about how Alabama is, I think the number is number 10 uh, ranking uh, among states that have had hospital closings, rural hospital closings. I think it was number 10, may have been number five. I can't remember. It was either five or 10. And, you know, you talked about anger earlier, you know, and how healthcare frontline healthcare people are angry because people are coming into the hospitals with a, with something that could have been prevented. Well, how do, how do you, and other people in the in the in the scientific medical community and health uh, frontline healthcare workers feel about living in a state where rural hospitals have been shutting down, hospital beds have been declining, and the ability to provide primary care effectively has been severely hampered by the lack of resources due to uh, the lack of expansion of Medicare and other issues, especially yeah. during a pandemic. Yeah, we could probably spend an entire segment on this, but I'll give you a brief answer. And I sympathize. I actually um, am troubled by the closures. Um, I think the root cause, obviously, like most things, is money. And especially in rural areas where there's a lot of uh, relative poverty, um, people are, a lot of folks are uninsured. So then they go to the hospital, they can't pay. What the government tried to do was to expand Medicaid years ago to cover that, to make sure everyone had some degree of coverage. And our state elected uh, to not expand Medicaid. What that means is that the federal government was going to absorb all the uninsured people into Medicaid um, and pay for whatever new people came on. 100% pay for that absorption of all those new people. And then over time, they would reduce their payment, but but would never go below 90%. So that means for every $10 of cost, 
the state would only pay one and the feds would pay nine. We rejected that. We still have rejected that. Yeah. And that's what's causing those those hospitals in a lot of ways to go under. Hospitals that expand to Medicaid are not having the issues that we are. And I think that's a root cause. There are other things, of course, at play, but you know, we can have that discussion about Medicaid expansion another day, but it's still, it doesn't add up to me why we would turn away free money from the feds that have the added benefit of not only keeping people covered with insurance, but keeping these hospitals open. But I'm thinking, especially Dr. Sag, during a pandemic, wouldn't our state be better off? I mean, it just seems to me like you and I mean, I'm angry about it. It seems like you and others should be, those of you who are in that field should be especially angry because we'd be better off. Yeah. During I wrote a pandemic. A book of, yeah. I wrote, yeah. I wrote a book about all this a book called positive uh, about five, six years ago. So it's right there on my shoulder. If you can see it on zoom, but um, that, 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 that addresses the, the disparities. And I could, again, I could go on for quite a while, but we don't have time. I will say that, yes, I am angry about it. I'm angry going back to when I was a medical student and I would go on rounds and there'd be patients next to each other, one who had the same disorder. And for one, we prescribed a certain type of medicines and the other something different. It was all because of their insurance status, Mm. because one of them couldn't afford it and there was no coverage and we had to do something else. That bothered me a lot as a healthcare provider. And I'm angry about that. I don't like it. Um, I don't like the fact that two thirds of personal bankruptcies in the United States are due to a medical bill. That's of all people who individually go bankrupt, it's precipitated by a medical bill, two thirds. In other countries on earth that are industrialized, there's zero bankruptcies personal from that. So I'm angry about that. But the bigger picture in the pandemic, and I think to your point, when hospitals get to capacity from a pandemic, like you're talking about, and the beds get filled, then somebody comes in with something else, a heart attack, a burn, a gallbladder uh, rupture, and there's no room at the end. And we've got to scramble around to find something for them, for the, some place for them to go. And there are cases in the news of people who died while they were being trying to be triaged to another place. They're not a large number. I don't want to overstate it. But it happened. So it's not just theoretical, it's real. And heck, yeah, I'm angry about that. And I, I, because I think it's, it's a, it's a um, symptom of a really chaotic health system that we have uh, developed and inherited and, and continue to, uh, I think, suffer through. But again, that's a topic for another, another broadcast. Thanks. Tom. Well, yeah, I, I think that uh, actually that's a that's a broadcast I'd love to have it someday um, yeah. because it's a uh, hey it's it is it uh, David makes a great point it is uh, it is an absolute uh, blight on our state that we have done this and chosen to leave so many people at risk uh, not just during the pandemic but every single day but especially during the pandemic but uh, Dr. Sack we appreciate it man uh, thank you yeah. for coming on and, and spreading knowledge to the to the small people or the, the average people here uh, so uh, we, we we listen I'm telling you I hear from people after your own all the time and they tell me how great it is and how, how you answered their their basic questions that they didn't have they didn't know and and it's it's really fantastic to have you on. So we really appreciate you taking the time. 
Well, it's a joy to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm happy to come back anytime. All right. Thank you. Thank you. That is uh, Dr. Michael Sag from UAB. He is, uh, like I said, the, he's our Hall of Famer. Uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he may be the only Hall of Famer we've got. I don't know. I, you know, it's uh, we, we don't do any sports broadcasts. Right. So, you know, we, yeah. you know, I don't know. Maybe we can get Chuck on sometime and uh, get him to talk to us for a little while. So, <laughs> all right, we're going to we'll slide out. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute to wrap this thing up. Alabama politics this week. Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about uh, you know, what everybody likes to drink or uh, what everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever. Whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Uh, that's I mean, It's always good to have uh, Dr. Sag on. He, uh, a dude, he... He knows his stuff, man. And, uh, I mean, yeah. he really is. I mean, I joke about him being a Hall of Famer and all that, but, I mean, that dude is, like, world-renowned. Uh, I mean, it's – you don't you don't get better than him, on viruses especially. Uh, mm. You know, that, that is his – that's his wheelhouse, and uh, they're they're few few better than he is, and uh, it's always good to have experts on, so we're not just babbling, you know. Uh, yeah, and I uh, and I actually uh, listening to him talk, I realized, you know, okay, got the holidays coming up. I'm going to make an appointment with my doctor because I haven't gotten my booster, and I I need to see. I, I'm going to I'm going to talk to my doctor mm-hmm. about some things related to that and see if this is the right time to do it. It sounds like it is, but yeah. Have yeah. you gotten yours yet? I haven't. My, let me tell you why. I got, okay. My wife got hers. Okay. And and then she got she you know it it hit her kind of hard and and so. Hmm. Uh, I mean, not. I'm not saying she was out for like a week or you yeah, know yeah. she was throwing up or anything like that. She just didn't feel good for a couple of days, um, and I just didn't want to feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I mean, you know, it's been it's been a long time since I've been sick, um, and um, and I thought, well, maybe what if I waited until I got sick. And then I could just go and get the booster if I got like a little cold or something. You know, mm-hmm. I could go and get the booster. And then that way I would already be sick anyways. So I could go and get the booster at that point. And so this is the it, this is the idiocy that runs through my brain. Um, and as luck would have it, I have I felt great every day uh, since that uh, that decision ran through my head. And um, so I haven't <laughs> gone. But I've been I've been actually thinking about. I, I know I want to go and do it before, you know, we 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 missed the deadline for like Christmas get togethers and all that. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll, but I'll, so I'll go, I'll go. I'm, I'm, I'm like, uh, what Cameron and Ferris Bueller's I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> They'll just keep calling me. They'll keep calling me. They'll keep calling me. Uh, but you know, so I, I I'm, I'm going to, uh, but uh, I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. I, I was, uh, I was in a client's office, uh, yesterday and uh, the uh, the manager there said mm-hmm. uh, that she had gotten her booster earlier that day, I think. And she said, 
ah, I'm starting to feel kind of, uh. Nah. And uh, so it kind of uh, that's what that makes me think. But then mm-hmm. I think I've heard other people say that it didn't yeah. affect them at all. So yeah, I've heard some. Uh, now uh, you know, Bill, Bill and Susan, who I work for, they got theirs a while back, and um, and they were they were both out for. Uh, well, Bill, Bill was out for like a day, and he, he said it, it really knocked him down pretty good for a day. And then Susan, though, was uh, she had she had several days of uh, where she had a problem after that. But hmm. but they're both fine now, and you know, and fully fully boosted up. And uh, so yeah, and and it's just I don't know. I'm out. All right, so I I have this is this will tell you all you need to know about well, about my mindset. I don't take anything. I don't, I don't take, I have no prescription drugs that I take. I have no, uh, any, I have nothing wrong with me. My blood pressure has always been perfect. I have no cholesterol issues. I have no, uh, anything, uh, you know, and, and that's, you know, that works pretty well, uh, no matter whether I exercise regularly or I don't, I always, hmm. I, I, and I've inherited this from my father, uh, who has, uh, who, who at 70 years old, 71 years old takes nothing. And has Ooh. never taken anything. Um, wow. Yeah. And so uh, I know, you know, that's where that's where it came from. And, and God bless him for that. Um, and so I tend to shy away from anything to do. I, I'm not scared of it. It's just I don't I don't want it. You know what I mean? I, I'll, yeah. I figure I can get over it. I mean, I you know, my, my wife and daughter and uh, will be sick here at the house and I'll walk around perfectly fine. And, you know, Ooh. just walk right through it, uh, whatever it is. And um, so, you know, that's why. I tend to I have such a problem getting my ass out there and getting my booster. So it's just, you know, that's just how it is. Um, all right. Uh, ba, 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 ba. Let's, uh, one of the things I want to talk about, because uh, I wanted to, uh, Dana Milbank, uh, the Washington Post, wrote a very, very interesting column because it's something that has been running through my mind as well, uh, which is, and I think I've said it here a few times, uh, uh, talking about uh, our current economy, uh, and President Biden and I couldn't I can't wrap my head around this. The sky is falling. Oh, my God. The economy is so awful. Oh, by the way, you can't buy a car anywhere because people keep snapping them up left and right. And I couldn't get anybody to put a pool in at my house because the pool companies are all booked up through the through the end of next year. Uh, and, you know, you know, and so these things don't make sense. You know what I mean? They don't. They if if uh, the economy is so god awful, yeah, who the hell's buying all this stuff? You know, right, um, right, and, right, and and that, and so I my theory was this is not an actual crisis that we're involved in. This is a fake media crisis that has been made up by a media that is now desperate post Trump for some sort of drama, uh, basically. Uh, and they have fallen into this uh, this trap of the Republicans screaming about the economy when there's no actual proof that that's the case. Um, and so Dan Milbank wrote a column in which, uh, as, as part of this column, he went and ran through uh, a bunch of headlines and a bunch of news stories uh, from different news outlets and put them through an artificial intelligence program. Um, 
Let's see. Artificial intelligence can now measure the negativity with precision. At my request, Forge.ai, a data analytics unit of the information company Fiscal Note, combed through more than 200,000 articles, tens of millions of words, from 65 news websites, websites, newspapers, network and cable news, political publications, news wires, and more, to do a sentiment analysis of coverage. Using algorithms that give weight to certain adjectives based on their placement in the story, it rated the coverage Biden received in the first 11 months of 2021 versus the coverage Donald Trump got in the first 11 months of 2020. The findings, painstakingly assembled by Fiscal Note Vice President Bill Frischling, confirmed uh, Milbank's fear. My colleagues in the media are serving as accessories to the murder of democracy. After a honeymoon of slightly positive coverage in the first three months of the year, Biden's press for the past four months has been as bad as, and for a time worse than, the coverage Trump received for the same four months of 2020. Think about that. In 2020, Trump presided over the worst in-world pandemic response that caused hundreds of thousands of unnecessary deaths, held a super spreader event at the White House and got COVID-19 himself, praised QAnon adherents, embraced violent white supremacists, waged a racist campaign against Black Lives Matter demonstrators, attempted to discredit mail-in voting, and refused to accept his defeat in a free and fair election, leading to the event, uh, leading eventually to the violence of January 6th and causing tens of millions to accept the big lie. That's got more positive coverage than Biden over the last few months. Mm. That yeah. The insanity of this is, I mean, it's, dri- it's, it's driving me crazy to watch people talk about this stuff. There, there's no truth to a lot of these things. Yeah, I think, uh, well, first of all, let me say, I think uh, Milbank has done something that is important. And I see, uh, I pulled the column up, Josh, and I see mm-hmm. that it's been shared. Uh, it looks like. Uh, well, I'm sorry. It's generated 6,000 plus comments, which is good. This is good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think he's on to something here. I think, uh, in fact, at the end of the column, he surmises that, um, that, that he, I think the way he puts it here is, my peers across the media have fallen victim to our asymmetric politics. Biden governs under traditional norms while Republicans run a shocking campaign to to delegitimize him with one fabricated charge after another. Um, You know, he's pointing out, I think, that the, the, and I think he's right, that the media has sort of succumbed to this idea that, and maybe it's conditioning by Trump. You know, and I almost hate to say that. I hate to give him credit for this. Mm-hmm. But I think Trump, I really do. I've believed for a long time that Trump has really been playing out of the Putin handbook. And I think that, that Trump has successfully um, created enough chaos and created enough, um, undermined the norms enough that even in the media, even in the journalistic side of the media, People feel like they have to, mm-hmm. because of everything that the crazy levels that Trump took us to, they've got to somehow maintain that level of, I guess, uh, critical coverage. 
And 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 let me say, by the way, I, I think mm-hmm. the media's role, the journalism, when I say media specifically, I mean the news media. News media's role is to be skeptical right. of authority and government and is to and it's supposed to be fact based and not, you know, we're you know, so mm-hmm. I, I don't care if the, the person is a Republican or a Democrat. I want to know the truth about government. I want to know the truth about what's happening in our society. So I'm not right. against that, you know, but I think that I think he's yes. on to something when he says that. Um, there is a the, the approach that they're taking right now with Biden um, is really out of sync with what's actually happening with Biden and, and during his tenure and is really more appropriate for, mm-hmm. for the chaotic atmosphere that we had for the previous under the previous president. But the press is now in a place where I guess they don't. Uh, maybe they don't know how to readjust. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I, I just think, think yeah, you're right. I, I think, well, first of all, I think there are a couple of different things at play. Um, and I, I think you're right about what you said about, uh, you know, I think what they feel like is, um, is that they are, they are creating some level of fair coverage by, by also treating quote unquote Biden the same way when right. you're actually, uh, I mean, we had a whole story this week about uh, Kamala Harris using wired headphones for God's sakes, uh, you know, because she thought it was, a, this was, a, this is a story. This is, I mean, like a scandal because, Oh, she thinks Bluetooth is a security risk. Uh, I mean, you know, and, it, and it's a, it's the tan suit story is what mm-hmm. it is. You know, it's the tan suit scandal or you know, the fancy mustard scandal. Um, and, and it's, it's, absurd levels of of trying to stretch what's you know basic normal behavior for people or beliefs uh, into absurd stories because you need to to reach some level that you feel like you reached uh, during the Trump administration uh, because that achieves some level of fairness and, and that's you know and I think that's a that's a terrible way of looking at it um, and but you know, I think the other thing that's at play here too is is that they like this. That you know, I think that Trump was very, very good for the American media. Yeah. Um, you know, especially the big networks and stuff. Yeah. They, you know, they they made a lot of money during that. And so watching the you know CNN and and to a point MSNBC watching those numbers tumble, uh, the ratings tumble, um, and the ad revenue take a dive, uh, has been, has been harmful. Now, I mean, I don't know that we're explicitly talking about, you know, people sitting in production meetings and, and coming up with, oh, well, listen, we need to come up with a fake scandal for this or that. But I, I do think that they want, they want to create something there for people, uh, you know, to, to push back. You know, it's, it was like the whole Afghanistan deal. You know, it was, oh, the whole thing is this horrible, awful crisis, you know, with, with the withdrawal from Afghanistan that was all on Biden when that none of that was true. I mean, it was I mean, yes, there were some things that there were mistakes in this, but there were also a lot of really great accomplishments that took place, not to mention the fact that there are a lot of Americans who aren't dead right now because they're not serving in Afghanistan. Um, you know, and not missing Christmas with their families because they're uh, overseas somewhere uh, for what purpose we never could identify. Um, And, you know, and the the economy, though, is where it really Mm -hmm. hits me. Okay, 
where, where I really get irritated is this constant crisis. Uh, NPR, for God's sakes, the other day had a thing about how uh, the jobs report was a bust for Biden. I mean, that was a headline. They used bust in the mm. in the headline because they only added 216,000 jobs or whatever it was, and unemployment sank to 4.2%. Hell, it wasn't supposed to be at 4.2% until 2025. Mm. So, and and they've been adjusting it up to, to such great numbers. But regardless, to that's what I'm saying, is it, it they're painting this picture of these crises that are going on, and they're, they seem to be mostly fabricated. Well, this also, I think, Josh, is the culmination of probably, you know, you could argue even maybe 50 years, you know, if you want to go back to Watergate, 50 years of attacks on the so-called liberal media, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, that was the Nixon administration doing that uh, uh, you know, post Watergate, it was, uh, or during Watergate, it was Spiro Agnew doing it as he was being uh, uncovered as a, you know, a, a, an unscrupulous uh, uh, vice president, you know, taking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, money, you know, money from people under the table. Um, and and then it subsequently has uh, been magnified, you know, with everything from the attacks by the moral majority to, uh, you know, talking heads like Rush Limbaugh and these people, you know, Sarah Palin coined mm-hmm. the phrase the lamestream media, and that really caught on, you know, with uh, her supporters. And, of course, Trump, you know, took it to another level. And I think uh, that's so, so uh, I think the straight journalism at that level, meaning the the federal level where you're covering the federal government, um, I think has really is uh, taken so many hits that uh, perhaps there is a real sensitivity about being miscast, yeah. you know, and um, you know, and I get that, but at the same time, I think what Milbank has done, and I really applaud this column because I think he's he's really making a strong case for um, a return to. Um, you know, a, a kind of journalism that is not doesn't kowtow to either side, really, mm-hmm. you know, liberal or conservative, a kind of journalism that just, you know, just call it straight, whatever yeah. it is, whoever it is, call it straight and yeah. don't be afraid or intimidated by either side. But, you know, I'll say this, too. I, I honestly think that you have to if you're in the media. Uh, especially the national media that, that covers a lot of uh, the president, the White House, the Congress. Um, and you see the polling that is currently out now, you know, and, and has, you know, the Biden approval ratings down, you know, less than less than Trump in, in some mm-hmm. cases. Um, you know, I think you got to ask yourself what, you know, what, what you're doing. Uh, because I, I don't, I'm fine if you disagree with with some of Biden's policies and and things that he's done. Okay, all right. But, I mean, let's go back and take a a, a bit of an examination of the Trump years there with, you know, the the paying of porn stars 
um, the, you know, the, you know, the whole January 6th deal, like we, we talked about with the, that went on for months of him trying to, you know, uh, uh, question our election system, uh, the destroying of the post office, uh, which we're all feeling right now, uh, still as, as, you know, as we wait weeks at a time to get the gifts through the post office, even once, you know, the, the supply chain issues have mostly eased up, but we're, we're having problems getting it through the post office. Um, and that's because of, of the, the stuff that, that the Trump administration did there. I mean, it's just the the idea that those things would be equitable in, in some yeah. way mm-hmm. is mind-boggling to me. I mean, by any standard, Trump was not the typical president. No. Um, and, and I mean, and, and I would say, listen, I, if you wanted to go back and compare his ratings to George W. Bush, Okay, mm-hmm. George W. Bush in the bad years uh, mm-hmm. versus Trump. I mean, there there should be no comparison of those things. Okay, mm-hmm. there's just not, there should not be. And I hated George W. Bush and what he did. Uh, but but he was nowhere close to the crook and and the just total imbecile that Donald Trump was and and had nowhere near the scandals on a daily basis that came flowing out of that Trump White House. Yeah, I, so, would, even, I would even say, I don't think, I, I, I would never say Bush was a crook, but I do think that he was an inept president and a misguided president and, and, um, and yet at his most inept and his most misguided, he didn't even come close to hitting the lows that Donald Trump did. I would tell you, Tell you something else that I thought about when you were talking. So no. you got the way Ronald Reagan responded to HIV and AIDS, which was horrible, to the way that Donald Trump reacted to and responded mm-hmm. to COVID nineteen. As bad as Ronald Reagan did in mismanaging uh, the AIDS crisis during his time, um, and, and you know, and, and credit to George H. W. Bush for going in the other direction on that, at least to some degree. And also George W. Bush for going in the other direction on that. Reagan did a poor job on that. Really Mm -hmm. horrible. But nothing close to what Trump did with COVID-19. Trump was absolutely abysmal on COVID-19. I mean, in fact, I would even argue that he was virtually criminal the way he handled it. Virtually criminal. Yes. I mean, it it was almost... Imagine Reagan coming out and telling you that AIDS didn't exist. Right. You know, that's basically what he tried to do with COVID. I mean, it it wasn't to the point where he was saying COVID doesn't exist, but he was, oh, it's nothing. You know, we, you know, we got one, maybe two, certainly not more than, more than five. uh, And they'll, they're going to be fine. Uh, You know, it's going to go away. And, and one day it'll just go away, just go away. You know, and and what about how he, he openly, uh, in front of the whole world in a press conference, uh, press conference, you know, tossed out these asinine theories about cures. Yeah, you know, I mean, the light, hydroxychloroquine and the light, light, about the light getting into the, I mean, what into the lung. That? And we, yeah, and can we do something with a disinfectant, maybe get it into the lung? Uh, you know, it's just... Just a fool of a president. Just a yes. freaking fool of a president. Yeah. Irresponsible. And, and, to, and, and the, that guy is getting anywhere close to the same favorable coverage as Joe Biden, who the worst you can say about Joe Biden is, well, maybe he's putting too much money into the economy. That's it. That's, you know what I'm saying? That's, I mean, there's nothing else. There's no, 
Yeah, from a policy standpoint, there's nothing else. Now, I now personally, I would say uh, I'm very frustrated by the poor messaging that yes. I think comes out of the White House. Hundred percent. I also think that's a Democratic Party problem. But anyway, yes. Yeah, I, me, me and you're on the same page there. This is, uh, matter of fact, I, I, I think I put on Twitter yesterday. It's the first time I've agreed with Joe Manchin in months, which is, you know, he's carrying around a little card that has all of the Democratic uh, achievements over the past year uh, that that he he talks to people about and shows them on the card. Um, and and I think that that is uh, something that every he should print those cards out for everybody, mm-hmm. and they should just walk around all the time only talking about that and pounding on their chest about what they've done for people and, you know, bring people to the White House for photo ops uh, to show, you know, people that have been lifted up out of poverty or some of these kids that are no longer struggling with, with food insecurities because of the money that are going to, to the parents every now and then. Uh, th- this is something that should be talked about all the time and they're not doing it. And I don't understand what the hell is going on. It's yeah. like they're playing defense on, when when they're when they're running the greatest damn offense in the world and they keep wanting to play defense. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, I agree. But, you know, that's that's mm. just, you know, I'm, I get why I got wound up. So <laughs> um, and speaking of of uh, of getting wound up, uh, our right wing nut of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, nut or nuts? Nuts. Nuts. Nut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. These are our nuts. And our nuts this week are the uh, 23 uh, Alabama legislators who have signed on to a Texas like abortion bill, which I mean, I think we all saw this coming. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it does. It goes all the way. Got the ten thousand dollar bounty uh, in there for, uh, for information on people performing abortions and, uh, or, or getting one, uh, which means, you know, I assume, uh, it still has the, the conditions in there in which a rapist, uh, could, uh, could get $10,000 for reporting his victim for trying to get an abortion. Oh God. Um, oh God. and yeah. Ooh. And so, Ooh. uh, yeah. So congrats to those guys for being the biggest nuts in the damn world over this, because, you know, I, I've said and made pretty clear my my thoughts and, and struggles with the abortion issue, um, but this ain't it, man. This no, ain't it. No. And and as one of their own pointed out, I can't remember the man's name or his organization, but he's a Republican. He said it's pretty dumb to put this bill forward right now, not knowing what the Supreme how the Supreme Court is going to rule on the Texas bill. And he seemed to feel that. The wink link in the Texas bill is the bounty itself. The mm-hmm. idea that you can actually just sue somebody because uh, of their, that you as a private citizen or me as a private citizen could sue somebody because, um, a, a, or collect a, a, a bounty uh, uh, off of uh, somebody, um, uh, you know, who was involved in an abortion in some way. He thinks that's the weak legal link. And yeah. And so, and I think he's right. There's something that seems patently unconstitutional about that, even though I'm not a lawyer, I can't really articulate it from a legal standpoint, but just if you empower every citizen Mm -hmm. to be able to sue any other citizen over some perceived wrong in a situation that you have no standing in at all, doesn't affect you at all personally, it seems like you're, you're asking for legal chaos. 
Yeah, I think you're right, and that's and that's a big, uh, you know, that's a big portion of, of a lot of cases, uh, which is you know whether or not you have legal standing, uh, yeah. you know, for for these sorts of things, and uh, and I think that you're that he's he's right. I don't know who who that person was, but it's a. Uh, um, I think that that's right. I also think that they're going to have some issues with the viability uh, portion of that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a um, it's a shame, really, that that we're to the point that this thing it doesn't matter uh, about you know about where they are in the legal process. The only thing that matters to them, the only thing that matters to these twenty three. Of Alabama Republicans, is that they have the headlines that said that they sponsored this bill. That's the only thing that they care about. They don't care about if the bill passes. They don't care about if it actually hurts women or children or or whoever. You know, you know. They, they don't care about that. They don't care that they can they, they could force a uh, some poor twelve year old to have a, a, a you know a rape or incest baby. They don't care about that. Who cares? And you know, those are real cases. Those things happen every day. Happened in this state not too long ago. Um, and so they don't give a shit about that. What they care about is the headline that might let them play upon this, you know, some sense of morality or whatever that, that gets them a vote or gets somebody out to the polls uh, over an emotional issue that they've managed to, to play. That's all they're doing. And, and, of course, if the Supreme Court rules against the Texas law mm-hmm. and Alabama passes the Texas law, then that means that the Alabama law is going to end up being challenged legally, which means it's going to cost the citizens of the state money to defend a law that the Supreme Court will have already, you know, established a precedent on, which means they'll lose and we'll be wasting more money. Mm -hmm. I mean, but like you said, they don't care about that because this is to their political advantage, they think. Yep, that's a hundred percent right, and it'll just give uh, uh, Steve Marshall one more chance to send out a stupid tweet about mm-hmm. something, uh, and to hire another expert for tens of thousands of dollars, some, some quack doctor from Texas or somewhere, to co- to travel down Alabama courtroom and get ripped to shreds uh, by some you know decent attorney and and probably Judge Myron Thompson or you know I I don't even know if Thompson's still hearing cases down there anymore. I don't think he is, but um, you know it's. Um, it's the circle of life in Alabama, as they call it, yeah, such as apparently. it is, I guess. Yeah, so. All right. Hey, um, I think that'll wrap it up. Don't you? All right. Yeah, let's, let's wrap it up. I mean, I guess we, I'll tell you, we should mention on the way out the door, uh, happy trails to Jeff Dunn. <laughs> so that's, uh, ah, yeah. uh, you know, he's uh, Jeff, Jeff Dunn. They, yeah, he's end of the year. Jeff Dunn, commissioner over at uh, ADOC. He's, he's stepping down. So. Good. Uh, Stand to here, baby. Get out the kitchen. Exactly. Uh, Which is exactly what we're doing now. All right, we're gonna. That's gonna do it for us. Until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace.